Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for my podcast today. Just a minute, I'm going to talk to you about C3 Leadership. But before I do, I want to remind you of some upcoming opportunities to really grow your leadership. The first one's February 27th in Orlando, Florida. Uh, that is going to be a moment that I enjoy so much. It's a great church, a great team of people, and I'm telling you, it is always a dynamic room. I love being in that room. I am so excited about what God does when we're in the Orlando area. So come and join us. March 5th, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, It is a great opportunity to learn. And then April 25th at Rancho Cucamonga. All three of these are roundtable events. And I'll tell you right now that if you are a leader and you have a team, the information that I share on team is, is just been so amazing that people have come back to me and say, it's a game changer. So I want to encourage you to come and to be a part. And as I say, and I repeat it all the time, when you listen to something, you add to your life. But when you're in the room, you multiply your life. So come and join us. Again, today, I want to talk to you about C3 leadership. C3 leadership. Now, as I sort of give a preamble to this, let me just introduce it by saying I am personally driven by two concepts. I have a mission that drives me. People hear me talk about this mission all the time. It is to make heaven bigger and the kingdom of God better. That is my personal mission in life. I want to reach lost people and I want to raise up Christian leaders. So I make heaven bigger by reaching the lost, raising up Christian leaders. I make the kingdom of God better. That is my mission in life. That drives me. It drives every thought I have. It drives all my activities. It drives my schedule. Everything that I do is driven by that paradigm. But then I have a second commitment and concept that drives me, and that is finishing. For whatever reason, when I was a young Christian, God gave me a life verse. This was the verse that was going to be the context to which I would enter into ministry, I would do ministry, and I would begin to process ministry. And it's from John chapter 15 and verse 16. It's my life verse. But it's within that verse that I find what God's given me. He says, I've not only ordained that you bear fruit, but that your fruit remain. I am committed to finishing. See, finishing is important to me. And it is important to me to be able to one day say what Paul said, that I might finish my course with joy. And see, in life, a lot of people start, but few people finish. It was the race driver, Rick Mears, who was asked the question, uh, what is the key to winning the Indianapolis 500? And he said, simply finishing. He said, most cars that start don't ever finish. They either wreck, they have engine problems, they have all of this. And he mentioned the particular race he was in. He said, I think 12 of us ended up finishing. You have no chance to win unless you finish. I believe that that is a very natural thought given the racing community, but it's also a thought that God embraces. 
that for you to ultimately win, you have to finish. And so I believe a part of my job is to help people finish. How do I encourage people to reach an outcome, to sustain an outcome, and that outcome is processed in a way that they finish strongly and they finish well? Well, that's what C3 is about. C3, it's the challenges of leadership, things that many times become uh, the reasons that people don't finish, the reasons that people do not complete and finish. And so C3 is just a series of C words. And C1 is this, compassion fatigue, compassion fatigue. That's the first one. To me, it's one of the most common elements in leadership. I've talked about this in many other forms, but I want to spend a few minutes and dig down a little deeper into it. Compassion fatigue is something that hits leaders, leaders that are trying to do it the right way, leaders that are trying to do their best. And see, compassion fatigue happens when the demands of leadership emotionally drain you so that you're depleted of your emotional reserves and you do not have the wherewithal to keep going. Let me say that again. It's when the demands of leadership emotionally drain you so that you're depleted in your emotional deserves, reserves so that you no longer have the ability to keep going. So compassion fatigue. In the military, they have a term called combat, combat fatigue. Combat fatigue is when you've just been on the front lines too long. You've been in the battle too frequently. And because of that, your mind begins to shut down. It no longer will process. It will go to a state of numbness. And it's like you're there, but you're not there. You're alive, but you're dead at the same time. And even though combat is one of those things I would never compare anything to because of the horrific sides of it, I will say that I've watched people in leadership that as they've given their heart and they've given their heart and they've given their heart and they've given their heart, reach a place where it just seems like on the inside they become numb and on the inside they become dead. And see, compassion fatigue happens for a few key reasons. The first is draining relationships. Now, draining relationships are a part of everyone's lives, whether you lead or you don't lead. They're just a part of everyone's lives. But draining relationships basically are these. It's where you're the primary giver. So it's a relationship where you're going to do most of the giving. And many times you will do all the giving. And in leadership, that happens. Many times we are in relationships where we are the primary giver. We're the primary instigator of the dream. We're the primary instigator of the vision. We're the primary instigator of the staff meeting. We're the primary instigator of everything. And so we become the individual that is the primary instigator. And as the primary instigator, you are always the giver. But the problem is, is when you're always the giver, sometimes You don't have anything left to give. But it's not just draining relationships, but it's accumulating relationships. See, the higher you go in leadership, what happens is there can be too many people that are drawing on you. 
there can be just too many people that are drawing on you. And when too many people are drawing on you, what it does is it creates an environment where it's not only that you're giving, but you're giving everywhere. You're giving to this individual, you're giving to this project, you're giving to this place. And so draining relationships, those individuals where you're the primary giver, and maybe your leadership position requires it, are accumulating relationships where there's just too many. See, compassion fatigue presents as people are now seen as problems. That's how compassion fatigue, you know that you're getting because it presents as people are problems. This person's a problem. That person's a problem. And pretty soon, everyone's a problem. And so when compassion fatigue sets in, you have these moments where you're dealing with this reality of you're drained because you're giving. You have this accumulation of, of responsibility and you're being drawn on from multiple surf sources. And as a result of that, compassion fatigue sets in. And pretty soon, everyone is a problem. And so the smallest things are now overwhelming. The smallest things are now overwhelming. And you become numb on the inside. I've been there. Right now, my mind's just revisiting times when I became so numb that I became unfunctional as a leader. And boy, those were times that took me a hard time to get out. In fact, I tell when I'm teaching in a room that the book, The Emotional Makeup of a Leader, was the first time I hit compassion fatigue, where I just didn't have anything left. I didn't have anything that I could give. And that book was me putting into words how I overcame that moment. But you become numb on the inside. But let me give you the takeaway for compassion fatigue. The takeaway is this. When people are getting to you, it means you must get with him. And I know that that's simple verbiage, but there's no answer other than that clear answer. When people are getting to you, it means that you must get with him. When I was young in ministry, there were certain responsibilities I had of study, of prayer, of devotion, discipline. But now that I'm older, those moments of prayer and study, they're absolute in my life. The reason they're absolute in my life is that there were times when I cut corners in trying to meet the needs of people, I neglected them. In trying to do things that I needed to do, I cut corners on them, but they sent me to a dark place, and that dark place is a place I never want to revisit. And see, what I've learned is I've got to be with him. I've got to be with him. I've got to experience that if you abide in me, if you hang out with me, if you abide in me, fruitfulness is when we're with him. We're abiding with him. And it's not only that, but John 6, 63, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. Words that go into the depths of who you are and breathe life into you. As a leader, you're going to have to have regular moments of God's life being breathed in you. And that happens through the presentation 
of his words in your life and the discipline of prayer in your life. And so I like to put it this way. If you don't come apart, you will fall apart. If you don't come apart from all the people and all the crowds, if you don't come apart from all the demands and the responsibilities and have time alone with him, you're going to fall apart. And we need you and we can't have you falling apart. So let me revisit C1, compassion fatigue. The demands of leadership emotionally drain you. So you've been depleted of your emotional reserves. You don't have anything to keep going. And it happens because of draining relationships. You're always the giver. And accumulating responsibility. Too many places and people are drawing on you. And compassion fatigue presents when you just see people as the problem. The smallest things now overwhelm you. And you get numb on the inside. So what do you do? You've got to get with him. See, when people are getting to you, that means you're not getting with him. And you must come apart or you will fall apart. That's C1. Let me give you C2, crisis mode living. Crisis mode living. Now, the nature of leadership is that leaders face crisis more than most. But when it comes to crisis, we know that that happens Because you have your personal crisis, you have life crisis, you have organizational crisis. But when you're the leader, people hand off their crisis to you. Hey, I can't handle this. Will you take it? And see, all of those crises that come your way, they can create crisis mode living. And crisis mode living occurs when we mismanage our pace in life. When we mismanage our pace in life. See, in leadership, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I have some people that I love dearly and they're highly disciplined when it comes to the physical side of life. And they're always doing things to enhance. But one of the things that I know on the inside of me is that I have to find a pace. Now, what I know is there's a pace that's too slow And people will not slow down that much to follow you. But there's a pace that's too quick and people will not keep up with you to follow you. But you got have to be able to manage the pace in life because it's not a sprint. You can't run as hard as you want to run all the moments. It's a marathon. And what I would say to every person listen to this, learn to run for distance not speed. Learn to run for distance and not speed. And what I'm saying is is just a simple thought there. You may not be first, but don't be last. We all know that in marathons, they have the people that are the fastest and they get to go off because they're going to beat everyone around the track. Then they have a second tier, a third tier, and then they get down to a tier. The thing about it is, you may not be the first to finish, but don't be the last. In between first and last is a pace that works for your life. So when we mismanage our pace in life, 
two things happen. One, we can't sustain it. People can't follow us in it. So the nature of that is, is that we just find ourselves in a position that we're not able to do everything in our lives. So when it comes to life, when we mismanage our pace, also when we mismanage our spiritual life, as I said earlier, prayer isn't an option for me. It's a necessity. And what I've learned about prayer is that prayer prepares you for the miracle that you did not know that you need. See, if you wait to pray when you know you have a problem, then what's going to happen is you're always going to be playing catch up. But what I've learned is that prayer is an investment. Every day I'm investing. Every day I'm investing. Every day I'm investing. And eventually a crisis comes and I am prepared for the withdrawals. But if you wait for the crisis to develop prayer, you're going to be overwhelmed. And so when we mismanage our pace, when we mismanage our spiritual life, when we mismanage our commitments in life. See, I can't be committed to everything, but I need to be thoroughly committed to a few things. There are things I must be committed to. You cannot live in overload. What I know is everyone wants you to be committed to things that they love and leadership. So when you're the leader, everyone around you is going to want you to be committed to their thought, to their plan, to their project, to their process, to what they're doing. They're going to want you. But I can't be committed to everything of everyone else's. I have to figure out my individual commitments and what I can be committed to within the team structure because you cannot live with overload. And one of the things that I tell people is this. If I had a a can of soda and I just literally took that can and I put it in my hand and I held my arm extended out to the right, that can of soda is not heavy. I can extend my hand out there without any trouble. But what if I kept my hand out there and my arm out there and I held on it to five minutes? Well, I might start noticing, well, what if I put it out there for 10 minutes? What if I tried to hold on to it for a day? What if I tried to hold on to it for a week? Here's the thing about that can of Coke. Things that are small aren't big at the beginning. But if you don't let go of them, they feel bigger and bigger to you. We mismanage our life when we live with the overload. Let me give you some takeaways. Skimming doesn't work. We tend to handle overload by skimming from areas we know we're committed to, to try to be committed to new things or to what other people want us to be committed to. And we try to skim and skimming doesn't work. You can't take away from what you must do to what you can consider doing. Another thing about crisis mode living is you always have to live with the big picture. You never let a moment define your destiny. As I like to tell people, our lives are a book. And sometimes there are bad chapters in the book. 
But a bad chapter doesn't mean that our life, our book, is a bad book. Because God ultimately writes the last chapter. Always see the starting point of where you begin, the ending point of where God's giving you, and don't let any point in between distract you from that ending point. But probably the most needed skill when it comes to, you know, living overloaded and getting yourself into crisis mode living is you've just got to learn to say no. Most leaders get themselves in trouble by saying yes to too much. Saying no is critical. But it's not just saying no. It's saying no to things that other people want you to say yes to. And it's even learning to say no to things you want to say yes to. So can I say no to the obvious Things that require a no, that's pretty easy. Can I say no to the things everyone wants me to say yes to? That's not as easy. Can I say no to the things that I want to say yes to? That's really not easy. But you have to learn how to say no. Your yeses have to be few. Your noes have to be many. That will help you survive crisis mode. The third C is character compromise. And this is probably the one that you're going to just sort of wipe your head and say, okay, uh, I'm glad I'm listening to this podcast at uh, speed and a half. But when it comes to people finishing, this is the one that gets more people than any. And that is character compromise. The loss of character is the quickest way to go from the top to the bottom. It is amazing the speed. When I started the church that I pastor, there were three major churches around me. And so we're talking about 42 years ago. They were all highly respected. People came from all over to visit these churches They were the ones that were teaching all the leadership information, the church growth information. But now, none of those churches exist. It's not only do none of those churches exist, but you seldom, if ever, hear about any of their leaders. But it's not only that you seldom, if ever, hear about any of their leaders. It's that when you do hear about them, you don't hear about the years of faithfulness. You hear about the character failure. Oh, yeah, I know. I've heard of so-and-so. And see, that's the thing. A moment of failure can take you away of years of faithfulness. See, I knew each one of those individuals, and they were good men. And each one of those individuals did good things that made the kingdom of God better. But they'll never be remembered for their years of faithfulness. They'll always be remembered for their failure. And that's the thing about character failure, is when you fail in your character, everyone talks about it. Everyone remembers it. The takeaways are these. Your values are your values. You know what you value. Hold on to your values. Do not let go of your values. Do not negotiate your values. Do not compromise your values. 
Whatever your values are, your values are your values. The next thing is shortcuts don't work. If you're going to finish the race, you have to run the course. And you don't get to figure out your own course. You don't get to say, well, this way's faster. If you're going to run the race, you follow the course. And shortcuts don't work. And then thirdly, you've got to be accountable. You've got to, in your heart, be accountable to God. But before you're ever going to be accountable to God, you have to be accountable to you. Most people say, well, I want to be honest with God. What I found is no one's honest with God if they're not honest with themselves. This is who I am and this is where I struggle. And so you've got to be honest with yourself, honest with God. And there has to be a couple of people in your life, you're brutally honest with them about who you are and what you feel and the weaknesses that you go through. This is C3, compassion fatigue, crisis mode living, and character compromise. Three things that can stop you from finish. My prayer is, is that you will run your race and you will finish. And that one day God will look at you and he will say, there were a lot of wrecks along the way. A lot of engines that broke down, but you made it to the finish line. Making it to the finish line, that makes Jesus smile. I pray everyone that's listening to this will make Jesus smile. I want to remind you, February 27th, Orlando, Florida. March 5th, Albuquerque, New Mexico. April 25th, Rancho Cucamonga. These are roundtables you want to be a part of. I think they'll be game changers for you. I think they'll be life changers for you. I think that they will make good results for you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for going to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and seeing all the resources. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.